Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant. I know. I was thinking, like, I'm going to come up with something. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Halfway through. Somebody said I sounded burned out on the sugar episode. Um, that's sad, because I was kind of burned out. It was right before vacation. Oh, yeah, sure. We've been going and going and going and going and going and going. But now you're recharged. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah? Yeah. Good. <laughs> I, I somehow transferred from, like, a type A person to a type B person on vacation. It was, like, that hardcore of a vacation. Oh, wow. And that lasted a couple of days? Yep. <laughs> I still got a little bit going on. Hang on to that bee. I still have the cornrows in my hair that I had put <laughs> yeah, like on the this. beach. These Thank nice. you. You like this? Uh-huh. Shaking them around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Chuck. Yes. Did you ever play soccer when you were a kid? Uh, I did. Not as a kid. Uh, oh, yeah? No, I didn't uh, start till high school. So you played for your high school team? I played for B team and uh, for a couple of years, and then at Redan High School, mm-hmm. our the class in front of me was loaded with star talent. Oh, gotcha! Like, I thought you meant like they, they were all the, drunk and on drugs. No, no. Well, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, they were really good, and so and I wasn't a very good soccer player. I mean, I was okay just because I'm fairly athletic, but I wasn't. Like these guys had played since they were kids, and mm-hmm. they all got scholarships to college, and yeah, like they were they went state. Wow! So I was the type that was like, "Why bother?" <laughs> I'll, I'll never be that kid. Yeah, I like you know, I'll sit on the bench, and I, you know, that was my role. So, <laughs> did you get any like? Did you score any goals or anything? No, I had an assist one game, which was nice. pretty exciting. Good going. My eighth grade year. That's good, man. And uh, that's just the fact that I remember an assist in my eighth grade year shows mm-hmm. how bad I was at soccer. No, I know what you mean. I've got a football story like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I played for a little bit, like um, 45 minutes, I think, <laughs> at the Y. Um, I was all ready to go. Like, okay, a new sport. Let's play this. Indoor and, or outdoor? Outdoor. Oh, okay. And um, we were playing, We were, like, first day. Yeah. I got my T-shirt on and, like, was learning how to dribble the ball and... Um, some kid asked like when we were going to have our first game and the coach is like, oh, there's not going to be any games. We're just going to scrimmage one another in our team. Right. And we're, it's just practice. That's all you're ever going to do is practice. There's not going to be a game ever. That's weird. I was like, see you later. Right. (laughs) How long until my mom comes and gets, you're like, I'm only in this to beat down someone else. Exactly. I'm so competitive, you know? Yeah. But that was my experience with soccer. And I never like, uh. Had a thing against it. It just always seems so like European to me. Oh, it is. It, it definitely is. That's well, where its, its origins came from. So I was sensing something. Yeah. It's the world, though. It is now for sure. Well, I mean, it always has been. Man, that is some, that is a good setup, <laughs> Chuck. But to call it European, though, I mean, it's America's. You know, kind of one of the only nations that hasn't fully embraced soccer. Yeah, for sure. It's the so- soccer and the. uh Imperial system of measurement. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I have theories on that, which we'll get to. Oh, I want to hear those. On why the USA hasn't uh, embraced it like other folks. Well, we have three perfectly good other sports. Yeah. Well, four if you count hockey, which is like soccer on ice. It is a lot like soccer on ice. When I was researching this, I realized like, wow, you know, there's basically one game and then everything is a variation on that basic game. Yeah. It, it's... uh 
to take an object and to try and drive it into an opponent's area. Yes. It's the same with American football, really. Right. Same with basketball. Yeah. Uh, Baseball is the one that's different. It is different. But technically, if you look at the field as switching sides, depending on who's on offense and who's on defense, mm. and the the outside <laughs> of the stadium is like their goal, eh, it's close. No, but like field hockey, lacrosse, mm-hmm. uh, you're right. High lie? Yeah. And I think Horse they all kind of stem from the same prehistoric games. Right. Which were, you know, Tuk Tuk and the gang running around with a rock trying to throw it at, you know, whatever they used as a goal. Not Tuk Tuk in this case, but Chik Mualal playing, uh, <laughs> what's, what is it? Pakta Pok. Well, go ahead and I don't know what that is. That's a Mayan <laughs> game. Was it? It's possibly the hardest game anyone's ever created. Yeah. And they were playing it for 2,000 years. Basically, it was a a nine inch diameter heavy ball. Yeah, that couldn't touch the ground, or else the game was over. But you couldn't use your hands. I don't believe you hit it with your hip. Oh wow! And yeah, I think I have heard of that. To win the game, you had to hit it through a ring that was like high overhead. Yeah, and like once somebody got it through the ring, the game was over. Yeah, but like that sounds impossible. Hip ball, hip ball. It's a great game. Exactly. You get a medicine ball and a hoop and. And hip surgery <laughs> afterward. Yeah. I mean, it sounds awful. But the Maya weren't the only ones who were who were playing a game like that. Like, c- kind of all over the world, there were instances of soccer being played. Yeah. In uh, China, 3rd century BC is where they have the, the oldest scientific evidence. Uh, and it was an exercise in a military manual. And then um, the Han Dynasty had something called Tzu Chu which is a leather ball filled with feathers and hair, which right. is lighter, I guess, than the Mayans. They probably learned a thing or two. Right. Like, this ball's way too heavy. <laughs> well, apparently the Chinese started out using human heads, supposedly. Really? Yeah, supposedly that predated Su Chu. Is that real, though? I don't know, but I that saw it several like, places. Hey, yeah. I know, but it was definitely worth repeating. Yeah, totally. I, I, I can't say if it's real or not. Well, with Su Chu, that was uh, a small net onto a bamboo cane, so, like, the net wasn't on the ground. No, but still, pretty but, close to soccer. But you couldn't use your hands. Uh, and then in Japan, they had Kimari, mm-hmm. um, which they still play today, actually. Is it apparently a little more ceremonious than um, Suchu? Like, Suchu is a little more raucous, is the impression I have. Yeah, and I meant to actually see what Kimari looks like, but the description here is the, they stand in a circle, and you pass the ball uh, around to each other without letting it touch the ground. So it sounds like a, a hacky circle. It sounds a little bit like puck to poke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think all this lends credence <laughs> exactly. to the fact that it's sort of variations of similar games in different cultures at similar times. The Greeks and the Romans had games yeah, like that. They did. Um, and then in England, England's considered the birth of modern soccer slash football. Yeah, but can't be traced to a single person, which is kind of neat. No, it can't. Um and for centuries, they played a game that was, I guess, the predecessor of um, soccer, and it was like intra or inter village play. Uh-huh. So, like on a holiday, one village would be like, "Hey, let's play this game. It's going to be soccer one day." Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, the whole town was involved. Yeah. And like the it literally geographically and population wise, the whole town was involved. And there was a lot of damage to property. And apparently it was outlawed from like the 13th century to the 17th century. 
it was the hooligans were playing the sport at that point. <laughs> exactly. They yeah. were just the fans. Right. And um even though even though it was banned, it didn't go anywhere and finally the band was lifted and school kids kind of took over from there and started making more formal rules. Yeah, which I think is really neat. Like, you know, other sports like I said, you can trace it back to a single inventor, but soccer is was a game still is a game of the people invented by kids. Yeah. Who just like you said started started like, you know, narrowing down rules and as being kids, you know. Yeah, being kids. In fact, the origin of the word soccer. Yeah, I like this. Most people think like, oh, the Americans invented that. Nope. Not true. Soccer was the word for it 18 years before the word football was used for it. Yeah. By the English. Yes. They invented the word soccer, supposedly, although this one is a matter of debate. Charles Redford Brown was an Oxford student. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess let's tell the, the story. It was um, at one point they had a meeting. 1848. To uh, at a, uh, I think at um Cambridge. Now at a, well, in Cambridge, but at a, uh, I believe it was a Freemason Lodge. I, I think so. So they had this meeting and they basically said, all right, we got to get real with these rules and really determine what this sport is. Yeah, because like each, each team, each school, um, they were all playing something very similar, but they would have their own rules. And before when one team wanted to play another team, they would say they'd have to spend however long it took to like decide what rule would overrule what rule. Right. It was just a big pain. So they finally came together at, at Cambridge and said, let's establish this. Let's codify this. We like to pick up the ball and hit each other pretty hard. Well, we don't. We like to kick it around. And they, that's where the split between rugby and soccer came. Uh-huh. Um, they called it, uh, well, they called it association football and association rugby. Yeah. And at the time, and of course now kids still like to shorten things, and they would add an ER. So they called rugby rugger. Mm-hmm. And they called uh, association football uh, a soccer and then soccer. And that was it. And That's it was where soccer. the word came from. But it was among like soccer was played among the wealthier elite. And then once it started spreading to the lower classes, they called it football. Mm-hmm. And it spread through the world among the lower classes. And that's why it just became football. Yeah. And we have American football. Yeah. Which is kind of a silly name. It really is for that one. Because really, the only person who foots it is the punter and the kicker, and they're everyone, you know, knows that they're a bunch of chumps. I mean, if there's a <laughs> if there's a a name mix-up that that we should have for football, it should should be called rugby. Really, it much more resembles rugby than soccer. Yeah, man, this just got confusing for a second. No, I like it, but I never. I had just learned in this show that uh, rugby and soccer were like were sort of the same game until they split. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I hadn't realized it either. And I think rugby stayed among the uh, upper classes. Which the upper classes? You said soccer was upper classes. No, soccer eventually spread to the lower classes, oh, gotcha. and that's when it became a game of the people. But I rugby gotcha. never spread to the lower classes. I see. I mean, it may have now, but you would think rugby would be the, you know... Rough and tumble. Yeah, I don't know. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Who so, knows? So that was... 1848, and that whole process really just kind of occurred over a few decades in the 19th century. Um, and apparently in 1904, FIFA came along. The Federation Internationale de Football Association. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what continental accent that was supposed to be, but it was a European accent one way yeah. or another, okay? And, and by this point, they, it was 
pretty the rules were pretty well defined um like well, in the yeah, 19th you had century FIFA. well yeah but they still had rule changes over the years uh-huh. but um in 1869 is when they introduced goal kicks and then 1872 corner kicks and then 1891 is when they had a, a single referee mm-hmm. that would like run the show and throw people out of game or matches i guess we shouldn't say games even though we're Americans. Right. They're matches. Right. Played on a pitch. A pitch, not a field. Not a field. Uh, but that's when they started like giving penalties and assigning free kicks, and the umpires who were previously uh, overseeing the game became linesmen. And it really – and that's where the field itself took shape too because they were like, well, if we're going to start in the middle of the field, we should draw a circle around it. <laughs> yeah, to let everybody know where to be. Yeah, and not let guys in there in the goal penalty box if we're going to have penalties and – if the, if the goalkeeper can touch it, maybe he shouldn't be able to touch it out in midfield. And like it grew very organically, it seemed like from the shape of the, the lines of the field to the rules. It's right, pretty neat. Yeah. Well, apparently it's even still taking shape. Like they recently up changed a rule where it used to be um, if you were a forward, you there had to be a defender between you and the goal. And now they've changed it to make it more exciting, so you have to at least be in line with the defender. It yeah. gives more chances to take shots on goal, apparently. Well, yeah, that's uh, the convoluted and ever-evolving offsides rule, which we'll get to later. Because we'll explain – I mean, I know everyone in the world knows about soccer, but a lot of this is going to be explaining for Americans watching the World Cup right now. Yeah. World Cup fever. America just won. Beat Ghana. Did you watch? Are, no, you, are you into it at all? I'm trying, Chuck, and it's not working. Well, you don't have to be. Well, you mean I just watched the uh, NBA finals, and yeah. and that was a little heartbreaking. Oh, um, that's right, because you're weirdly a Miami Heat fan. Yeah, we're big Heat fans. <laughs> um, and and the Heat didn't win. Are you so... going to be a Heat fan when LeBron leaves, or is that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we like the whole team. Okay. I'm kind of worried though because you know they're talking about how the bench didn't really show up for the finals. What bench? The bench, like the uh, non-starters. Well, I know, but Miami doesn't have much of the bench. Miami should have a great bench. Like, they're all great players, but they're just not – they didn't show up. They did last year. Uh, yeah, well, they had different players, too. At any rate, <laughs> I'm worried about my team. Yeah, that's because they're done. They're not done. <laughs> yeah, they are. Look, don't bait me on the podcast. We've had conversations about this before. Have we? No, I'm okay. just kidding. <laughs> So anyway, you, you were depressed because your beloved uh, Miami Heat lost. So I'm wondering if there's like some sort of weird sports hangover that's going on right now that's keeping me from being on the World Maybe. Cup. But at the same time, it's like, no, I think I'm just not into soccer that much. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll keep watching here or there, but yeah, I'm I a, don't have World Cup fever, I guess is what I'm saying. I do because I follow – I'm one of the soccer fans that like I don't follow the, the, follow the Premier League – uh, and we'll get to all that stuff, but that's the number one league in the world, pretty much, English Premier League. Mm-hmm. I don't follow MLS. No one does. No, they got their fans. Yeah. And we're getting a team here in Atlanta, so I'll probably go to some of those. Yeah. I, I might go to those. Yeah. Live but, sports um, is often better than oh, yeah. TV sports. I think always. Sometimes. Jerry's just laughing over there. No, it depends on where <laughs> you're sitting, especially. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. For any live event, if you're in the nosebleeds, it's gonna you're gonna suffer. Um, but I really get into the World Cup. I watch the FA Cup, mm-hmm. um, and I watch the Olympics. The FA Cup. That's uh, which that's which, also every four years, but it's in the two years that um, is that European. Or yeah, is it, 
Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Football Association Cup, is that what that is? I just always call it the FA Cup. <laughs> the FA Cup? Yeah, the FA Cup. <laughs> or the, I guess you can call it the Euro, too. Isn't that right, Jerry? I think there's something else that's the Euro Cup. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think there's... Um, well, let's talk about this. We we mentioned that FIFA came about in 1904. Yeah. And that it took over codifying the rules. Yeah. Uh, Setting up regions. Yeah. This is for international play. These aren't professional leagues. Right. And they put together something called the World Cup eventually in 1930. And technically, I'm sure FIFA was involved, but really it sounds like Uruguay took the reins and said, hey, like, we're, we got a really good team. We just beat all of you in the 1928 Olympics and we want to do it again. So what if we pay for all of you to travel to Uruguay? Right. And we'll all play. We'll have a nice little tournament and yeah. see what happens. So Uruguay pretty much paid for everybody's passage to Uruguay and then soundly beat everyone Yeah, and became the first World Cup champions in 1930. Yeah. A common thing uh, that would happen later for the host team to win. Yeah. Big advantage. Yes. Because you're at home. Yeah. And actually, that's if you host the World Cup, you're guaranteed entry into the World Cup. That's right. Uh well, should we talk about the World Cup a little bit then? Why not? Everyone else has to qualify. Host team gets in, like you said. Uh, there are 32 teams, mm-hmm. and uh, they come from six regions. And it, it, it's it's you have to play your way in, basically. Yeah. So those six regions you said, like it's divided differently for each World Cup because they just want to have a good balance, right? So the U.S., the North American uh, had three slots. South America had five. Europe had 13. Asia had four. Africa had five. Then there's Oceania, which doesn't get a direct spot. But um, those are kind of up for grabs. Like you got to play your way in. And Mexico and Uruguay got those last two spots. Right. Because Mexico hammered New Zealand. Yes. Which is part of Oceania. Right. And they had to play for their spot. That's right. So those those teams that ended up playing for their spot or going on to the World Cup yeah. had the opportunity to because over the last four years, they've started accumulating points, correct? Yeah, and you play qualifying matches. Right, and FIFA's keeping track of all this stuff and figuring out who's who and, and who's doing well enough. Right. And then ultimately, 31 teams plus the host country are elevated into World Cup play. That's right. And the World Cup play um, divides those 32 teams into eight groups of four. Yeah. And those eight groups are populated by the top seeds, so they want to make sure that one group isn't like the first four seeded teams in the world. Yeah, they want playing to be each other, even. knocking it out. Yeah, they want it like to be a good tournament sure. spread over. So as much as you can, at least. Right. So there's a top seed in each of the groups, and then the other ones are randomly picked. The other three in each group. Yeah. And then you have group play, which is a round robin. Where every team plays every other team, and, and they're accumulating points during this group play. Yeah, you get three points for a win, one for a tie, uh, nothing for a loss. Right. Uh, and with the groups, there's there's always one group that's super tough. If you've got three or more good teams in a group, it's called the group of death. And the U.S. is in that group right now. Germany, Ghana, U.S., and Portugal. So, although Portugal apparently they're not showing up. Well, they got spanked by Germany, but I did see that game, and it was Pepe's fault in part that they got spanked <laughs> so bad. Well, Germany's really good. Yeah, but 
Portugal wasn't supposed to be like four to nothing bad. No, no, not at all. I mean, it was a huge uh, margin of victory. Yes. I wouldn't say upset, but because um, I expected Germany to win. And that huge margin of victory can really bite Portugal in the end. So when you have... Um, On the hind end. Right. <laughs> when you have teams playing one another, um, they're accumulating points. Yes. If for some reason... At the end of group play, um, and all teams have played one another, all four teams have the same amount of points. You then go to point differential. Yeah, so Germany really like helped themselves out. They did, and Portugal really, again, got bit in the rear end yeah. by losing four to nothing. That's a huge point differential. Yeah. And then beyond that, if everybody still somehow had the same number of points accumulated, the same point differential, then they'll go to total number of goals scored. I thought it was a fashion show. <laughs> that's that's the fourth. <laughs> if if that is even, then yes, it's a walk off. Yeah, is what they call was that it. a <laughs> Yeah. So that's how they do the group play. Yeah. And then after group play comes the uh, knockout round. Yeah. Then you're down to sixteen, and it's basically just single elimination, and that's where there are no ties. You can have ties in the group round, um, but you can't in the knockout round because you got to knock somebody out. You do. So. If you're tied at the end of the game, you're going to have a shootout, which is when you alternate the free kicks, yeah. or uh, I guess penalty kicks, yeah. until uh, I think there's five, and then whoever uh, whoever has the most wins, and that's, you know, it's kind of exciting, but I think purists don't like to see it come down to the PKs, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, they want to decide, because I don't know what the, the, the percentages are, but it's uh, pretty rare to, to stop, or well, not rare, but... It's pretty easy to score a PK. Well, yeah. So a penalty kick, your goalie yeah. is in front of the eight yard by eight foot goal. Yeah. Which is, well, that's a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, it is. And there's, he's not allowed to come out from the goal line. Yeah. He or she. You're right. You're yeah. right. I'm sorry. Women's um, soccer's huge. Yes. Yeah. Mia Ham. <laughs> uh, well, you're not a fan, are you? <laughs> and the, uh, Pele. <laughs> right. Exactly. I've heard of both of them. Yep. Um, and then the uh, soccer ball is placed 10 yards, no, 12 yards away from the goal line. Yeah. And that's where you take your kick. So, yeah, it's easy. But that's the whole point. It's a shootout. It gets high scoring. Well, I mean, it is, it is exciting. But um, it, it'd be like at the end of a baseball game if it's tied to have like a home run derby. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I, I would love that. to see that. Uh, interestingly, before 1902, the... Um, the penalty could be taken, and this is for any penalty, you could take it from anywhere along this 12. Now they center it right in the middle, mm-hmm. but you used to be able to take it as long as you were 12 yards out, like way over to the right or left if you wanted to. Oh, yeah? But, I mean, that was 1902, so it's been in the center for quite a while. So uh, you've got the knockout round that begins with 16 teams. Yep. Then you have eight teams, four, and then the final two. And when the final two play... Hundreds and hundreds, approaching a billion people, watch that game. Yeah, I mean it's the one of the biggest events on the planet. Um, I think they said the last one, three point two billion people. Uh, oh no, that was just watch part of the World Cup, right? Um, At some point in time. Yeah, exactly. I think seven hundred and fifteen million people watched the um, World Cup final. The final, the last one in two thousand ten, which was Spain and Netherlands. Netherlands yeah. And that's my other team, Netherlands. Yeah. Like, if you're American, you've always got your b- backup teams uh-huh. because it's just no fun to be like, I won't root for anyone else. Uh, yeah. And I've always rooted for Netherlands and Germany. 
Nice. And like England, of course, but the, you know, those sad dudes. <laughs> Why are they sad? Well, it's just a common thing that England hasn't won a World Cup for so long. They're sort of like the Chicago Cubs of of international soccer. Yeah. And English fans are notorious for just being depressed already, <laughs> like at the start of the World Cup. Right. Um, they're well. I probably can't say that joke. There's some good jokes about it. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's a big deal to win the World Cup. So much so that like huge deal. It happens every four years. Yeah. Twice during World War Two. There wasn't a World Cup. So there's, we're in the 20th World Cup ever. Yeah. And only, I think, eight teams, eight nations have ever won it. Italy's like four. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who is three. Maybe Brazil? Uh, I don't know. Uh, and then, like, England and France each have one. Yeah. And they had it when they were hosting. So apparently there's a huge home field advantage. Yeah, there is. But, um, I mean, it's just a, an enormous deal to win the World Cup. Like, not only are you saying... Or have you shown that you're the best team in the world? Yeah. Like, not just space is involved, but time as well. Yeah. Like, you're one of the greatest soccer teams ever to play. Yeah. And it's, it's neat because, uh, all these, all these players, um, play professionally as well. Mm -hmm. So they're pitted, uh, against each other. Like, you know, if you've got a guy from Germany on your team and you're playing Germany, like, all of a sudden, your, your opponent, or your teammate is now your opponent. Yeah. Because you're playing for your national team. So it's, I don't know, there's, it's a more emotionally charged, I think, for yes. that reason. Well, so let's, let's talk about like, <laughs> let's take a giant step back and talk about the basics of playing soccer okay. after a, uh, a message break. Okay, Americans <laughs> and Canadians and me and Josh, yeah, <laughs> especially me. Uh, you got two teams. Uh, you've got eleven players, which includes your goalkeeper, on each side. And the goal is obviously to kick the soccer ball into the goal. The goal is to make a goal. Yeah, and the ball has to be completely over the line. Uh, if the if the goalkeeper manages to get a hand on it while it's you know on the line, and again he's he or she he or she is he allowed to use his hands in what's called the goal box. Yes. And that's the only player allowed to use his or her hands. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it's a sport of gentlemen, or at least it started out that way. So you're supposed to kind of admit when you've had a handball, although that doesn't go down quite as much anymore. No. Now it's usually the other players raising their hand and saying, he touched it with his hand. Right. And then the the guy be like, oh, that's so true. It just goes on from there. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, apparently, uh, a player named Diego Maradona. Oh, the hand of God. Yeah, in the yeah. 86 World Cup, won it. Deal. And then he later said, like, yeah, I hit it with my fist a little bit. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, it's now it's soccer legend. It's like the immaculate reception in football. It's the hand of God goal in soccer. Yeah. But Maradona, he's one of the greatest ever, so. Sure, because he used his hands. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you've got two 45 minute periods. Um, the thing that Emily likes about soccer is it lasts for a finite amount of time. <laughs> You'd think. Well, no, it does. And there's you there's something to, called extra time. Well, it is. And that's, uh, the clock never stops like it does in other sports, but while players are down or injured or there's a stoppage of play, um, for, for injury, they will keep track of that time and they add it on, but it's never that much. It's like a few minutes usually. Yeah. So at the end of the 45 minutes, uh, you'll see a little guy on the sideline hold up a, a 
digital clock that says like four minutes. Right. And then so you play for an extra four minutes. And that gets really exciting because, you know, if it's coming down to the wire, you know, like, you know, you're in, if you score a goal to win in penalty time, mm. that's like huge. That's like triple OT in, in NHL hockey. Right. Yeah. But some guys have been accused of like faking injury to add injury time. Yeah. Well, or extra time or to, or to keep, uh, yeah. I mean, should we talk about diving and faking and well, the, hold the on. Dramatics? Let's, let's, okay. Yes. Let's because it's a big deal. Uh, diving is, um, when a player either completely fakes, well, say exaggerates contact or injury or completely fakes it, like not even gets touched, uh-huh. dives on the field, rolls around on the ground, holding their shin usually, like they've got a compound fracture. <laughs> and um, it's a it's it's a big controversy in the sport, and it's, I think, the biggest reason why Americans don't fully embrace the sport. Uh, supposedly that's, yeah, well, a huge reason. Yeah, because Americans are used to American football where – you spit out teeth or tape up a broken bone to play the game. Like you're not going to see an NFL player rolling around on the ground screaming unless they have a bone sticking up through their skin. Yes. Like they're tough and, uh, Americans are used to that. And I think when Americans see a soccer player, uh, get tapped on the shin and they roll around on the ground screaming, Mm -hmm. I think they don't admire that quality. There's a, That's the nicest way I can say it. It's becoming more in, more prevalent in basketball. They call it flopping. Yeah, because and, of international uh, players is is one of the theories. Oh, is that right? Yeah, the influx of European players. Guys like brought, Manu Ginobili. He's one of the greatest floppers ever. Man, yeah, it's true. But the NBA is now finding floppers, which is yeah probably not going to change much. No, it's not because they find them like five grand. Yeah, which is no big deal no. when you're super rich. That's right. Uh, but diving is very controversial. Um, uh, I'm trying to not insult people, but speaking very generally, Northern European countries, England, America, aren't into it. Except Germany is supposedly big into flopping. Germany will dive for sure. Uh, Southern European and South American countries do it more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while Americans hate it, every language has a term for like a complimentary term for what they call gamesmanship. So it's just a different uh, philosophy in other parts of the world. And we I don't understand it as an American. It, it's cheating to me. But um, I, I read a good blog post from this one guy who has a few theories uh, ranging from the broken window theory to... Uh, Where, like, if you are exposed to it all the time, you get used to it. Yeah. And then if you're not exposed to it, like you're an American fan, when you see somebody do it, like you're exposed to in the World Cup, all of a sudden, boom, it just seems horrendous. Yeah. Right? Uh, And from that all the way to, um, he thinks that just how some countries uh, view the law, even, and ethics. Mm -hmm. Like, he traveled to Argentina, and he said, in Argentina, I had a lot of conversations with soccer players, and they were like... In America, you follow rules because they're rules. In Argentina, you break rules until you get caught. <laughs> right. So it's you should try and get away with it unless you get caught. It's part of the game. Um, he was he had a conversation apparently with one guy about uh, the newspapers uh, in the U.S. How you can go to a newspaper box and it's just full of newspapers, and they were like, "Why don't you take all the newspapers?" You know, I've thought that before, and it's like because you really only need one. Yeah, unless you want to go sell them. I guess so. Yeah. You have some free time? Sure. 
Go sell some newspapers that you stole. Anyway, diving to put a bow on it, very controversial still. And some in England are calling for it now, like, hey, we're falling behind here because we're not embracing this uh, tactic. So we should be diving more? We should be diving more. If you can't beat them, join them kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's the prevalent attitude because it's, um, like I said, it started out as the gentleman's sport. So right. you admit when you foul, you certainly don't fake a, a foul or an injury. Well, that's what happened to Pepe. He didn't like that Thomas yeah. Mueller was um, was diving. Yeah. He pretended like his eyes were gouged out in the match. It's a lot of pro wrestling uh, uh, theatrics yeah. that happened. Yeah. Uh, just look up on YouTube, like, best top ten dives. It's kind of fun to watch some of these grown men uh, roll around like that. There's this one. When they're that, clearly not injured. There's one that was probably the most um, fantastical dive of all time. And it took place in a qualifying match between Chile and Brazil uh-huh. it, to get into the 1990 World Cup. It was like the match that you had oh, right. to win. And um, the goalkeeper for Chile, Roberto Rojas, suddenly screams and is grabbing his eye. Yeah. And like a couple feet away from him is like a lit flare just going off on the field. Right. And like he's bleeding from his eye and everything. And yeah. everyone's like, what just happened? Uh-huh. Apparently, he lit the flare himself, threw it on the Shut ground, up. fell down screaming, had a blade in his glove, cut his eye open. That's WWF. And, yes. Yeah. And um, he was just writhing on the ground. And they they took the game. like yeah. They technically gave it to Chile and like disqualified Brazil automatically. Wow. And somebody, one cameraman, happened to have gotten... Photos of Rojas. The Zapruder film? Uh, basically. <laughs> yeah. Of Rojas, like, cutting himself. Wow. And um, the, the Chile got disqualified. Brazil got into the 1990 World Cup. I've never heard And of Rojas that. was banned from uh, international forever. play forever. <laughs> but he started wrestling. Well, apparently, nice Brazil later offered him a job as a goalie trainer. He was so good. Oh, really? So, like, the, the country, he almost... Dove into disqualification. Oh, oh. Interesting. Offered him a job. Wow. Yeah. So you know, it's a part of the game now. Um, I think what most uh, soccer fans agree on is that it, it's because it's a part of the game. Then it's the onus is on the ref to spot that stuff, right? And not allow it, and not be fooled by flailing arms and you know, oh my eyes, my eyes. Yeah, that's just crazy. Like that's a ref's job is to. To well, keep an eye yeah. out for deception. Yeah, and it's a big pitch. I like. I don't. I've always lobbied for more refs. I don't see why they don't have. Uh, I mean, they have linesmen and stuff, but I don't know. There's a lot of room out there. I'd have two or three dudes. There's a lot of room. Did we say how big the field is? Yeah, it varies, which is odd. Yeah, there's not a regulation field. Yeah, but it's uh, typically a hundred yards by fifty yards, like an NFL football field. I also saw another typical one is 120 yards by 75 yards. Oh yeah, which is. That's big. That's like two football fields almost into a square. Yeah, I should have looked up for World Cup, um, but I did not. I think that might be the regulation size. So it's a lot of ground to cover. Oh, yeah. And each side has 10 men or women yeah. or 11. 10? Ten, well. 11, including the goalie, right? Yeah. Okay. And um, the the personnel is divided into you've got a goalie on each end. Yeah. And then you also have... Uh, three different other types of players. You have um, fullbacks, also known as defenders. You have uh, halfbacks, which are known as midfielders, right? Yes. And then you have forwards. 
And they do different jobs depending on their name. And you can have different numbers of them. It's up to the coach. Yeah. There's not a regulation like you have to have this many fullbacks, this many forwards. Play to your strengths. Right. And then the uh, the formation that you're using can be described in numbers. So the example the Grabster gives in this one is four four two formation would be four fullbacks, four midfielders, and two forwards, right? That's right. So what do the fullbacks do, Chuckers? Uh, the fullbacks are, are generally the defense, the defenders. They hang closer to the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a full attack, they will cross, you know, the center line and, and, you know, try and score. But generally the fullbacks are defenders. Uh, you're, they, if you hear someone say you're marking your opponent, that just means you're, you're getting up on him and defending him or her. Right. Rather than like a zone, you're defending a person. Yeah. Well, not really. It's not like man-to-man or zone. It's just if if a player with the ball comes near you, you mm-hmm. go to either mark them or tackle them. Um, or actually, you mark a player without the ball. You tackle, tackle a player with the ball. Right. But if you're an American and you don't know much about soccer and you hear tackle and you think, why are they still standing? Tackle doesn't mean like NFL football where you take them down to the ground physically. Oh, what does it mean? It means you, you are making a defensive play. Uh, like when you see a guy slide... Right. And, uh, like a slide tackle, that's a, that's a tackle. You're making a play on the ball to a defender. Oh, but, but that doesn't... Doesn't it, mean that anyone's hitting the ground. Oh, okay. You can both be on your feet, uh, and it could be considered a tackle. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Did you know they also call bait that you use for fishing tackle? <laughs> silly, silly Josh. Um, all right, so you've got your goal area. We discussed penalty kicks. Uh, that is, uh, if you foul someone within the penalty box, then you get that free penalty kick. And that's, you know, not a guaranteed goal, but chances are you're going to get a goal out of that. Yeah, I would imagine the percentage is a lot higher. Uh, the only time you're allowed to touch it with your hands is if it goes out on the side, uh, and then you throw the ball in with two hands mm-hmm. over your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called a throw in. Yeah. Um, if it goes out, uh, on the end line, uh, you're either going to have a goal kick, uh, by your goalkeeper or if the people who are coming to score on you, the attackers kick it out, then the opposing team's goalie kicks it back in, right? The defender goalie. Yeah, kicks yeah. It back if in. the defender kicks it out, then you get what's called a corner kick. Right. And a corner kick uh, is what you call a set piece. And that's when you, you put the ball in the corner and you kick it in front of the goal. And the set of it is, is you, there are many different formations um, you'll use for a corner kick. Mm-hmm. And the object is to get it up in the air and try and head it in or get it in however you can. Right. But um, there's just different formations in front of the goal. Uh, you're marking your opponent if you're a defender. You're trying to get free from being marked mm-hmm. if you're an attacker. And uh, when the ball's in the air, it's kind of every man for himself. That's where it gets a little rough. That's the And that's the basic strategy is, is so you've got the fullbacks back protecting the goal yeah. virtually at all times. Yeah. The midfielders are doing a little bit of that. They run a lot. But they're the also the ones who are like driving the ball down the field yeah. and then trying to kick it toward the goal so that the forwards who are closer to the opponent's goal yeah. can head it in or kick it in. And that's yeah. the basic strategy of moving the ball back and forth through soccer, right? Yeah, you'll typically see an offensive attacker shoot down the wing on the on the side of the field with the ball mm-hmm. and Essentially do what a corner kick is, which is just get it in the air toward the center of, you know, the field in front of the goal. Yeah, because once it's in the air, you can head it. Yeah, you can head it. You can uh, kick it. You can chest it. 
Yeah, you probably wouldn't chest a goal in. <laughs> yeah. That's generally to uh to uh get the ball back down on the ground. Right, yeah, yeah. For you. To to you absorb its momentum. Exactly. Um if you if the ball is in the air and somebody's going to head it and you kick try to kick the ball, yeah. You might get what's called a yellow card. Yeah. Which is a penalty card. So you've got your one referee running around, right? Yeah. And uh, if he sees you do that and he decides to give you a yellow card, he will pull, literally, a yellow card <laughs> yeah. from his pocket, yeah. hold it up. Yeah. I'm showing it to everybody, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And then uh, he puts it back and he pulls out a little notebook uh-huh. and he writes down the number. Which is so cute that, you know, it's just not kept up by someone else. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thousands of people. Yeah. And, and a huge computer network. Yeah, but he writes it on a little handheld <laughs> notepad. No, right. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't like the way that number came out, so he'll erase it sometime and try it again. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so that, that you've got a yellow card. It doesn't really do anything. It's basically, it amounts to a warning. Yeah. You've been tagged. Yeah. And by you, the ref. Yeah. And you can get a yellow card for any, um, penalty they deem severe enough. Yeah. Like any hard foul. Yeah. They can give you a yellow card on or M- mouthing can, off to the ref. Uh, yeah. Or they can like just that? say it was a regular foul. No yellow card needed. Uh, and you get a free kick from that spot. And it's either uh, indirect or direct, meaning if it's indirect, another player has to touch it. Before you can take a shot on goal. Before you can take a shot on goal. But if it's direct, the person kicking it can try to kick it into the goal. Yeah, and that's another set piece. That's when um, you see someone, you know, goes to take a free kick and you see if it's close enough, you know, if it's down the field, you just kind of restart immediately and get the game going again. But if it's close enough to the goal where you can get a shot, that's when you see the players lined up in a row, uh, 10 yards, you can't get closer than 10 yards to the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, they're covering their private parts right. and, uh, trying to position themselves. And, uh, it, it looks weird if you're not used to it. Like, why would you line up in a wall in front of the guy kicking it? Well, it's because you want a big wall in front of the guy kicking it. <laughs> right. And, uh, the goal there is to, uh, not even just to, I mean, you want to, you can block the ball, which would be great, but, um, is to mask the, the getting the goalkeeper's way. Can they jump at all? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can jump, but that ball, I mean, I took one to the face one time. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah. You know? I can't even tolerate like a dodgeball or anything like that. Yeah, you'll see you'll see players jump and kind of turn their body away from contact. Sure. So they don't get mauled. Yeah. But um like I said, one one thing you're trying to do is to uh uh shield the uh the goalkeeper, so they don't, like a lot of times they won't even see the kick coming, yeah, because of the wall, and then it's in the net behind them, and boom, and score. then they roll around on the ground and say, "My eyes, yeah, <laughs> I'm flopping." All right, so Chuck, um, if you have a yellow card and uh, you do something else, yeah, you're probably going to get a red card, and a red card means that you're ejected from the game. Yeah, you've two, been so two bad. yellows means a red in a single game, or in a tournament, even in some tournaments, yeah. Or you can go straight to red if you do something really, really bad. That's what happened to Pepe. Yeah, <laughs> you can go Pepe, Mia Hamm, and Pele, <laughs> and Pele. Yeah, those are the three soccer players you know. And um, can you name one American um, Diego Maradona player? too? No, well, he's Argentinian. American men, like the guys on the team right now. Can you name one? You know what's sad is I keep wanting to say Karch Karai. <laughs> and I know he's like volleyball. volleyball. Yeah. I don't know why my brain keeps going right. there. Well, but. you're not a fan. I wasn't trying to make you seem uh, 
dumb for not knowing. I no, was, thanks was for definitively proving that. <laughs> no, I just wondered how little you followed it. And no, I, think, I don't know any of the yeah, guy's names. The answer is not at all into it. <laughs> Landon Donovan is probably the most famous American soccer player right yeah, now. Yeah, Landon Donovan. But he course. was not even named to the team uh, due to some controversy. Or not due to some, but causing controversy. Because he's old. Okay. He's like early 30s. Yeah. It's crazy that's old, but it is. But America's, you know, the coach came out, Jurgen Klinsmann, the former German star, and said, we're not going to win anyway, so we're just trying to get better. Americans not they're That's not world class. Loser attitude. Well, it is, but it's realistic. You know, the Germans they they throw down the realism. <laughs> he's uh, he's you know anything can happen, but America is not on the same level because chances are uh, the kids out there, their dad didn't play, and their grandfather and their great grandfather. Right. It's uh, when it's ingrained in your society over generations and generations, you're going to get better. Right. And it's not our national sport. It's like fifth. Well, let's talk about England, and it's uh, it's probably a, the best prime example of having soccer as a national sport. Yeah. Uh, one of, I should say, but it's the one that has kind of set the stage for how you have a national functioning sport of yeah. soccer. So England, are you talking about their Premier League? Yes. Yeah, the Barclays Premier League is the top soccer league in the world. Uh, every, not every nation, but... Almost every nation has their own in, own professional league. Um, you've got the Premier League, which is numero uno, uh, Spanish Primera. Uh, the Italian uh, league is probably the second best right now. Yeah, Spanish is probably third. You've got the Bundesliga in uh, Germany. Uh, France has one. Russia, Brazil, Mexico, Japan. We've got our own MLS. Right. Um, but th- the best players in the world generally play for the Premier League. Uh, yeah, around the world. Not just you don't have to just be yeah. um British. You can no. be from wherever and play for, for these teams. Yeah, and the MLS in the United States is getting better, but it's generally like where old players go to play. <laughs> well I have a question for you. Did did um and that's an old tradition. Apparently Pele finished out his yeah. his uh, career with the New York Cosmos. Yeah, there's a great documentary on that team. The um Beckham played for the Galaxy in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um Landon Donovan plays MLS. But that's twice that you've called him old. I'm sorry, Mr. Donovan, if you're listening <laughs> to this. Well I mean it's it's up and comers who aren't good enough to play in the other world leagues and it's older guys who used to play for the Premier League and, you know, want to come to the U.S. and live in L.A. and make a little scratch. So I I have a question about that because it was more than a little scratch. Like, they paid Beckham, like, quarter of a billion dollars to come play. Yeah. Do you know if, like, they recouped that in any way, shape, or form? Like, did it pan out to be a good investment or was it all know. for him? Um, I mean, they obviously signed a, a David Beckham for... I mean, he was good, but he wasn't like England's best player or anything. No, it was name recognition. Yeah. They were trying to get seats. Absolutely. Filled. But I'm wondering, like, that's a lot of cash. Could they possibly yeah, have made that back? I'm not sure. Because he wasn't their only player. I mean, I'm still. No, he still had to field the team. Yeah. Around him. Well, Donovan plays for LA too, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Um, did you see that, that ad of Beckham's from a couple of years back? The Pepsi ad mm, where he kicks like three balls into three different trash cans on a beach? Oh, uh, really? And like, was it real? If it's not, it's the most amazing editing job you've ever seen in your life. It was probably real. They usually don't fake that stuff. It's 
crazy what he did then. Yeah, and these, I mean, the men and women of international, on if you're playing for your country, the talent is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because we should say, is, um, like, there's all, there's professional leagues and then each FIFA team, which by the way has more member nations than the UN. Yeah. Which is really saying something. I think yeah. it's like 209 to 193. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, but each FIFA member team also has a national team. Yeah. That you play for. So you were saying that, like, for, for the English Premier League, players, for, the best players from around the world typically go play there. Yeah. But when it's World Cup time, they go back to their home countries and like you were saying yeah. teammates will play against one another for yeah. their their nations and go at it too yeah and then when they go back to their club teams they're just like hey good to see you again yeah um so the premier league the prem as they call it uh has other sub leagues and you uh if you finish in the bottom 3 in your division you're relegated and sent down to another league so you know it's sort of like a minor league baseball right um, but n- not a player. The whole team gets sent down. The whole team gets sent down, which yeah. is pretty neat. It makes sense. Yeah. So you're, you know, if you have any friends that follow the Prem, they're unless they're like Man U fans or Arsenal fans who are like the big hot teams. It's like the Yankees, although people certainly take issue with that. I hate the Yankees. <laughs> um, yeah, you're fighting to not get relegated, and then if you are in the top three of the a lower division, then you get sent up. And if you're the top two, you automatically get sent up. If you're for the third place, yeah, the next four There's highest ranked teams play off. Yeah, and, and that's then, a big deal because sure, more money, more advertising revenues. Yeah, it's just it's you don't want to get sent back and relegated. It's bad, bad, bad. Yeah, and I didn't really have I I, I had no idea about this until researching this article. Um, I I didn't really have a um a sense of like. Just how bad it is. I can imagine like the difference in revenue for a team between, yeah, a, you know, being in the Premier League and being in the first division, the one below it. Yeah, year over year is just nuts. So I mean, it's like, pretty depressing. I think if, is it for team? Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. How often does that happen? Well, it depends on your team. So, but every year, three yeah, every teams year they go do down it. and three teams go up. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and so if you're an American Prim fan, you pick out. Just a team. I don't based on uh, like anyone picks out a sports team when they're not from that country, um, based on players you like or whatever, and then you follow them. And um, all all of my American friends that follow have picked out different teams. It's kind of fun, but and I'll watch a few. Uh, like I watch the finals and stuff, but um, generally I just follow like the international play. Sure, it's just the style of game. I don't have time for all the sports, you know. I know you're a busy man, I'm a busy guy. So Chuck. You want to talk about the dark side of soccer? Hooliganism? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's gotten a lot better. Um, yeah, apparently. It used really to be really bad, down. though. Like, uh, ho- soccer hooligans are sometimes fighting for their team's honor, and sometimes they're just drunk Englishmen who like to scrap hmm. and use that as an excuse. But it got bad for a while. But they've cracked down on, I think when they started cracking down on teams and Penalizing the clubs themselves for uh, acts of hooliganism, I think think that might have caused some changes. Yeah, that's that's crazy. They the um, I don't know if it was FIFA or who did it. Maybe it was the was it the Premier League itself was saying like if your team is associated with hooliganism, yeah, we'll sanction your team, and you guys have to play in an empty stadium 
and will totally miss out on ticket sales. Yeah. That's huge. Um, the, the hooligans themselves could be banned. Yeah. From even traveling to where a match was. Yeah, like you can't get into this city. Yeah, not the stadium. Yeah. The city. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, yeah, like you said, apparently it worked pretty well. But in the interim, a lot of people died. Like a lot of people have died because of soccer. Yeah. Um, well, not only hooliganism, but, uh, stampedes and being crushed. And yeah. That's gotten a lot better too, but, um, you know, I remember growing up hearing a couple of times where there was some, like, awful smashing of people. Yeah, like in hundreds of people. In 1989, in an FA Cup match, there was, um, in Britain, 96 fans were crushed. And remember in the Black Friday episode that we did? Yeah. We talked about crushing death and what that's like. I think in the article that I cited, there's a picture of somebody being crushed to death, like, up against a fence yeah. at that game. It's a pretty famous picture. It's awful. Ugh. Can't imagine. Yeah, being crushed to death. The worst. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we should explain the offsides rule just because that is a, a confusing thing for some Americans who don't follow soccer. Um, is it? Yeah. Okay. Cause it's, it's changed some over the years and, uh, we'll just go ahead and explain it. Okay. Um, easily <laughs> stated, uh, you're offside if, an offensive attacking player is um, in front of all of the defenders. They say behind the line of defenders, but if you're watching as an, if they're an attacker, then I just call it in front of um, before the ball is kicked to you. So it originated in the early days, basically to keep the lazy kid from just hanging out in front of the goal, yeah, and waiting for the ball to come down there. That makes sense. They called it um, in the 1840s. They called it sneaking. And sneaker, yeah, like you, you're a big fat sneaker because you're just waiting there, right. like a lazy git. So in greater detail, the attacking player, you have to be on the opponent's half of the field. Okay. So you know the field split down the middle. You got to be on the the offensive half of the field for it to be called offsides. The attacking player uh, is closer to the goal line than the last defensive player. The goalie doesn't count, and the ball. So that's important. The ball. You can be offsides. You can be in front as long as the ball isn't isn't coming your way. Like, oh, okay. Basically, if you play the ball or interfere with a defender, that's when it when it's offsides. As soon as that player's kicked the ball and the ball's in the air, you can run uh, in front of that defender or behind the defender. Okay. I know that sounds so confusing. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't confused by it before, but I am now. Uh, yeah. Well, that's my. Best way of describing it. <laughs> nice. That's what offsides is. If you if you want to just watch the game simply, just remember, you you can't just be hanging out in front of the goal. Yes, that was my understanding. Yeah, that that's we the cleared that up. That's the real basic, most basic version of the rule. Yeah, without any of the subtleties, and you can't be offsides uh, if it's a throw in or a corner kick or a goal kick. Then it's you know every man for himself. You can do whatever you want. Okay, it's only when it's in regular play. Not a restart. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it does. You, you right. explained it pretty well. I think so. I, I know that else? people are going to say I butchered it, but whatever. Bring it. Well, I'm sure somebody will explain it very eloquently, and we can read it for listener mail. Exactly. Uh, nothing else. Go USA. We play, um, and this is one of the rare shows that we turn around really quick because it's newsy. Yeah. So thanks to Jerry for that. Way to go, Jerry. Um, but the U.S. plays uh, Portugal Sunday. 
And if we win that, we're looking really good. But um, yeah, I don't know Portugal because even if we play Germany, we'll still have accrued enough points from beating Ghana and Portugal to go to the final two. Yeah, we'll lose to Germany. I think everyone's kind of accepted that. Apparently, the coach, especially <laughs> who is a German. Yeah, I got it figured out. Okay, I understand soccer now. Uh, but our our striker uh, Josie Altador went down, which is not good. Strikers no. are, um, we forgot to mention, uh, defensive fullbacks, you can be a sweeper as well. Where you're just like going back and forth in front of the goal. Yeah, kind of sweeping. And then yeah. there's uh, some of the offensive forwards can play the striker position, which is just like pure offense. You're attacking all the time. Attacking all the time. Attack, attack. But we lost our striker, which is a big deal. Sure. Doesn't bode well. Uh, well, thanks for all this, Chuck. I got nothing else. I understand soccer to a T. Yeah, I mean, I wish I was a super expert because I know it we probably, probably wouldn't be nearly as fun. I'm sure we got some stuff wrong, and we'll hear about it. Oh, we'll hear about it. Yeah, but um, yeah, go go World Cup. Here's, go World Cup. Here's my prediction. We're all winners. I actually, I have no prediction. Maybe everyone will tie from here on out. Jerry, who do you go for besides the U.S.? Chile. She likes Chile. Chile. Germany. And Germany. Nice yeah. going, Jerry. Chile's a dark horse. Well, we'll see what happens, huh? Yes. Uh, if you want to know more about soccer, watch the World Cup. Now that you've listened to this episode, you'll know what's going on if you didn't before, and possibly it made it more enjoyable for you. You can also type soccer, soccer, not football. It's going to bring up a totally different article. Yeah. In the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Don't type in footy. No, no one knows what that is. <laughs> um, and uh, since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this props to nurses and our continuing effort to not slight people. I'm going to read this one. Couldn't help but notice, guys, uh, when I was listening to how placebos worked. It stood out to me when you gave Dr. Beecher credit for first noticing the placebo effect in World War II. But you completely overlooked the obvious fact that it was the nurses who had recognized it and were putting the placebo effect to good use before Dr. Beecher realized that was what was happening. Uh, they were making keen clinical observations at the bedside and applying those principles in the field to the benefit of their patients' uh, research and action. Of course, credit is due to Dr. B for formalizing and publishing the study. Also, I know you guys are sticklers for accurate language. Please remember that doctors aren't the only ones who prescribe meds. Nurse practitioners and physicians' assistants do as well. It would be more accurate to refer to prescribers in the context of this podcast as healthcare provider or clinician. Uh, when talking generally about the person who determines a patient's plan of care. Love what you guys do, and Jerry. Uh, SYSK is my favorite. Keep it up. And that is from Amy, nurse, U.S. Air Force. If this makes it to reader mail, she says, please give a shout-out to my fellow nurses in uniform. So men and women around the world in uniform. And nurses. Nurse it up. Hats off. Nurse nurse hats off. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that, Amy. Um, and thank you, Chuck. That was a good one. Yeah, good. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And check us out at our home on the web, the luxurious stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.